Good morning. Good morning. So, a couple of months ago, my wife and I um, decided to celebrate our 10-year anniversary with a trip to Costa Rica. And we left the kids at home, and we mapped out the whole trip. Uh, one of the things that we knew going in was people had told us, if you're going to rent a car and, and do the traveling yourself, you want to make sure that you're careful because a lot of the roads aren't marked, they're not named, uh, it's very easy to get lost, and so generally they recommend you don't travel at night. So we mapped everything out, and we realized, okay, cool, we don't have to do any of our traveling at night except for the very first night that we're going to get there because our flight just got in a little bit late. But it was only like 45 minutes from the airport to our hotel, and we figured, what the heck, we're going to be fine. Um, I have this little app, this little free uh, navigation app, GPS thing on my phone, and I read that it was very reliable down in Costa Rica. So when they asked us at the rental car place, do you want our GPS? Nah, we don't need that. That's fine. I just used my phone. So we, we set out on this little trip. And um, we're about 30 minutes in to the trip, and we're driving down these roads. Not, not bad roads, by and large. But, I mean, it is black as night out there, and there's nobody around. And, um, and then the GPS tells us to hang a left. Didn't say what the road was, just hang a left. Next thing you know, we're on this dirt road. And we're driving down for a couple of minutes. And the next thing we know, it forks. And if it goes to the right, it's just this like little private residence. So that clearly wasn't the way to go. It's like a private driveway. We forks down to the left, so we took the left. And it went right down into a creek bed. So at this point, my GPS lost signal, lost service. And so I'm just kind of like, what in the world is happening? So we're looking down at this creek bed. And... And the headlights on our little SUV are shining, and it, it just doesn't look right. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I mean, there's a shallow amount of water, look, but we were just like, oh, this is, this is crazy. So we turn around, we head back down the road, and we're trying to, we go back along the road, and we're trying to loop around. It'll reroute us, you know, recalculate or whatever. So we're driving for about the next hour and a half, and the stinking GPS on my phone just keeps saying, recalculating, recalculating. And it's all, it's, all it's trying to do is reroute us back down to that place at that creek bed. And so finally, uh, we've had a shift of drivers at this point. That's another sermon for another day. Uh, I'm now in the passenger seat. My wife is assumed control. And I'm convinced that, that somehow, at that fork, somewhere we missed something, and that must be the way to get to our hotel. So... It's, we've been on the road for about two hours now, and we've, international flight, it's been a very long day. We are exhausted. We find ourselves back down, staring at that creek area. I hop out of the car. I want to see how deep this thing is. And I walk through this creek, and we figure, okay, we think we can get through it. So we drive through this creek, because there's actually a little road on the other side. It's super narrow. It just doesn't look right, right? So we, we actually drive through. We drive through. We, we come up on the other side of the creek. We come up this really steep hill, and immediately there's this really steep hill down, and we're looking back at an even wider part of the creek. At this point, my wife is absolutely insane, okay? She throws the car into park, and she's just like, that's it! That's it! And I'm thinking... Maybe I'll get out, you know, I'll take a look at this one, see if we can, you know, how deep is it? We'll, we'll try it again. This is what's going through my mind. I'm thinking, 
maybe this is, it, it didn't, I got to tell you guys, it really didn't look right to me. It did, this did not look like a proper road, okay? And from the, 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 these headlights, you just couldn't see enough, okay? So in that moment, though, what I realized was if I got out of that car again, either my marriage was going to end in divorce or death, <laughs> and my wife was going to be in jail. And so we ended up turning around, and we backtracked, and, and we ended up finding another hotel, and that killed me because the hotel we were trying to get to was already paid for, non-refundable. So um, anyway, the next day, we still have to get to this hotel because we were supposed to be staying there for multiple nights, right? The next day, we find ourselves in the daylight back on this road looking at this creek. And what we realized in the daylight, when you could actually see in the light of day, you could see that actually there, this was a road, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. A- at night, it didn't look like a road at all. It was absolutely terrifying. We thought we were going to get stuck and die and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But in the daylight, you could see, you could see the path. You could see that even in the, in the bottom of the creek, there was actually like gravel and, you know, you could, you could tell, you could tell because there was enough light there. There was enough light there. Light is a powerful thing. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. In John chapter 8, in the New Testament of the Bible, Jesus makes this bold statement about light. But I need to set it up for you. I need to set the scene because you guys have to understand the context in which he's saying what he says. So there were a few different big festivals that the Jewish people would have every year where they would come together and all the people of Israel would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem which was like the epicenter of the Jewish faith, okay? So they'd come to Jerusalem, they'd come to the temple, and in the fall, there was this festival called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And there'd be a variety of different things that would go on there, but one thing that happened at the Feast of Tabernacles was this, there was this festival of lights that would happen. And what they would do is they had these giant bowls that they would fill with oil, and then they'd put these huge wicks in the bowls, and there were 16 of them. And then they would light these suckers on fire. And they were way up on stands that they'd have to have giant ladders to reach. And so there was these 16 flaming bowls, this huge festival of light. And it was written in rabbinical literature that if you hadn't seen the festival of lights, you hadn't seen a wonder in your whole life. It was said, and of course we just can read this now, but it was said that the entire city of Jerusalem was lit up. Okay? So... This is the setting, this is what's happening, and this is what Jesus says. Probably standing there in the courtyard, the temple of Jerusalem, he says these words in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. I want you to imagine this. So here's Jesus. It's almost like he's like, hey guys, you know, these lights here, man, this is really cool. But let me tell you something. I am the true light. I am the light of the world. Now, do you, do you realize how bold and just ridiculous that statement must have sounded to everybody who was there? You know, in this series where we're looking at why Jesus, who Jesus is, one of the things that's really interesting to me is that unlike the other founders of the major religions, Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, and others, Jesus doesn't say, hey, let me tell you, let me show you how you can get to the light. I'm going to point you to the light. If you follow me, I can show you how to be enlightened. Jesus doesn't do that at all, does he? 
Jesus actually says, I'm not going to point you to the light. I am the light. If you want to fill that in. Jesus, his claim is he doesn't point to the light. He says, I am the light. Jesus is claiming to be God. And I just want to say something. If, If you're here this morning and maybe you're like I was just about a dozen years ago where you're here and you're wrestling with who Jesus is and you're still trying to figure that whole deal out, I want you to feel some tension with what Jesus is saying right now. See, if Jesus was just this really great person who had these amazing teachings and and did a whole bunch of good works, then you got to understand that when he made these claims, I mean, that kind of sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? I mean, if you think of the, 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 the nicest, the greatest person that you know in this life, if all of a sudden they got up and started making claims like, hey, guess what? I'm the light of the world. I mean, that just feels a little funky, doesn't it? I want you to feel that tension. And if you're here trying to figure out who Jesus is, here's what I want to encourage you to do. That, the Gospel of John that we're, that we're in, just read that sucker. Because over and over, in a whole variety of ways, Jesus makes these claims that he is God. And if he's not God, it's a little bit problematic for us. So I encourage you to do that if that's where you find yourself today. So he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, I could see how that would really make a connection with the people. Because every time that the sun went down, they didn't have electricity, right? So they experienced a lot of darkness 2,000 years ago. So you can see how powerful when Jesus said, you'll never walk in darkness. Like, oh, okay, they're making a connection there. For me, there's a little bit of a disconnect because I generally am never walking around in darkness in Washington, D.C. in 2013, right? There's always light. But I have a disconnect with this, this verse on a little bit of a deeper level. This whole idea of, you know, if you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. Because I feel like, you know what, there are so many lights There's so many lights. I don't ever feel like I'm in darkness. And what I mean by that is there's many lights in my life that are attractive to me, that make me want to follow them because I believe that they'll lead to life. Let me give you one. I don't know if if these will relate for you, but here's one light that I often find myself following. It's the light of achievement. You see, I'm one of these people, I love the feeling of accomplishing things. I love succeeding in things. I love to have a big to-do list and check those suckers off. You know, it feels so good when you're accomplishing, when you're succeeding, when you're moving forward. It just, man, it feels great. Here's the problem with following the light of achievement. If you go through a season in your life where, for whatever reason, you're just not accomplishing a lot of things, right? You haven't had a lot of success, or maybe there's been some roadblocks in your way, and you haven't been able to have that sense of accomplishment. You just feel completely deflated. It's demoralizing. Your whole sense of self-worth goes out the window. But here's the bigger problem with following the light of achievement. What I've found is as soon as I reach my goal, as soon as I check that thing off and I've succeeded, that good feeling lasts for me about 30 seconds. And then what am I instantly doing? I'm thinking, what's next? What else can I put on my list? What's bigger and better? What's a greater challenge? What's a bigger high? And so what I've realized in my life is that following this light of achievement, 
it actually doesn't lead to life. It leads me to emptiness because ultimately I'm never satisfied when I follow that light. Another light that I often find myself following, this is a big one for me, is the light of approval. I'm a firstborn child and kind of by nature I'm a people pleaser. And for me, when everybody around me is happy, life is good for me. You know, that, that just... If everybody's feeling good and I feel like they're happy with me, man, life is good with me. So here's what's problematic about following this light of approval. If somebody is upset with me, like if I've got conflict, don't anybody mess with me after the service, okay? I'm serious. That would be very mean. But... (laughs) If I, have, if I feel like somebody's upset, I'm serious, guys. Don't do this to me. God, somebody's going to totally do this to me. All right. Um, if that happens, I am a mess, you guys. I am a wreck. If I'm following this light of approval, and I feel like someone's not approving of me. But here's the bigger problem. Even if everyone is approving of me, I'm still consumed with making sure I keep that approval. I'm never totally sure if I have that approval. You see, if I'm following the light of approval, that doesn't lead to life either. It doesn't. It's like the headlights on my SUV shining on that creek. That light is not powerful enough to get me where I need to go. Now, maybe you can totally relate to those two lights, or maybe you have other lights in your life that you find yourself following after because you feel like following them will mean you'll never walk in darkness and it'll lead to the light of life. But here's what I want to tell you. Think critically about those lights that you follow because what you'll find is that when you follow those lights, they actually don't lead to life. They won't get you to where you need to go. I want to contrast those lights with the light of Jesus Christ. Because the light of Jesus Christ is radically different from any other light that we will ever try and follow. You see, the light of achievement and the light of approval, those kind of lights, they require something of us, don't they? They require us to perform. They require us to conform. And when we can't do it, we can't live up to it, those lights go out. The light of Jesus Christ is completely different. It doesn't require us to perform at all. There's a couple of things that the light of Jesus Christ does that I find to be just fascinating. The first is that this light, the light of Jesus Christ, is so powerful. It is so bright. It is so holy, this light, that when you fully receive it, it actually exposes you. This light Exposes you to the point where you realize, compared to the light of Jesus Christ, compared to this Jesus who was perfect in everything he did, and compared to his teachings, if you read the Sermon on the Mount and the Gospel of Matthew 5 through 7, you realize just how flawed you are. You realize just how fall short, short you fall. You realize how, how many imperfections and how many flaws you have in your life. This light actually exposes us, and it, and it makes us realize, oh my goodness, we fall so short of God's perfect standard for us. But the other thing that the light does, it not only exposes, but this light is this warm, radiant, amazing light. 
And this light shines on us in this incredible way. And what we realize is when we understand that Jesus Christ came to live a life that we couldn't live and to die a sacrificial death for us so that when we believe in him, we would have eternal life, we'd be forgiven for all of our sins. When we realize that we were worth dying for, we realize the warmth of that light, it lifts us, it inspires us to incredible levels. So this light kind of has two main facets, and I've summed it up in this little statement. It's this idea that I deserve nothing, but I'm worth everything. I deserve nothing, but I'm worth everything. This comes right out of Romans 5.8. It's one of, my, one of my go-to verses. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, when we deserved nothing, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're worth everything because Christ died for us. See, this is the light of life. This isn't just two little headlights shining on a road. This is the whole deal right here. This is light that never leads to darkness. But the key is you've got to understand both parts, okay, of this little statement here. Because here's the deal. If you only believe the first part of that statement, I deserve nothing, that you, you've got that part, you understand God's light, you realize, oh man, I messed up and I'm terrible and I don't, I'm not worthy of God, I, I know I'm so far from perfect. If all you understand and really grasp in your life is this I deserve nothing part, then here's the problem with that. You'll be tremendously humbled, but you'll never be empowered, right? You, you'll, you'll never be energized to be able to live the life that God intended you to live. But if you only believe that you're worth everything and you don't get the part about deserving nothing, then you'll never be humble enough to actually follow Jesus Christ the way that you need to follow him. You see, if you don't get this part about I deserve nothing, you just think you're worth everything, you know what happens? You have a tremendously difficult time because there's a part of you that actually feels superior to everybody else. And that's why it can be so incredibly difficult to forgive people in your life because you see yourself as morally superior to them instead of realizing that we're all, we're all in, in the eyes of God, we're all on one, one plane. We've all fallen short. So in order to be able to love and to serve and to forgive and to do those things that Jesus calls us to do, we have to understand not just that we're worth everything, but also that we deserve nothing. Those two have to be held together. And when you, when you realize, when you tr- truly grasp this, then you have the light of life. So here's what I want to just ask you this morning. Which light are you following? There's many, many lights out there that attract us. I just listed two for me. You can think of maybe some lights that, that draw you in a lot. Which light are you following? Because there's only one true light that will truly get us to our destination, that will truly never leave us in darkness and will lead to life. One of the coolest things to me about Jesus is he's already said that he's the light of the world, okay? So he's made this claim, but 
In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14, and 16, 14 through 16, he said, I'm the light of the world, but check out what he says here. Then he says, speaking to his followers, you are the light of the world. A town built on its hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he turns around and he says, to us, to you and to me, he says, guess what, guys? You're the light of the world. You're the ones who are supposed to let your light shine. Jesus says, look, this isn't just a, uh, uh, you know, just a one-man show here. Okay? You guys are all getting to play a role in that. Now, when you walked in this morning, you got a little finger light. I want you to take that out right now. There's a little switch on the top. Go ahead and flip that on. All right, my kids love these things. So I wanted to share them with you. But as you're looking at this little finger light, you may be thinking to yourself, because this is, this is my reaction. When, I, when I'm really looking at this passage and I'm like, Jesus is telling me that I'm the light of the world, I'm kind of like this finger light. I'm like, okay, seriously, Jesus? Like, I'm the light of the world? I mean, Jesus, there's no doubt that Jesus was this powerful light. But seriously, me? Like, this is what I feel like. I feel like this little finger light right here. Like, what difference am I going to make? What difference am I going to make? Maybe you feel that same way too. I want us to kill the lights for a minute, if we could. Because God sees things a totally different way. You see, when you think about just your little light and what difference you make as an individual, it doesn't seem very strong, does it? But, see, God has a completely different view. You want to talk about 30,000 feet? I mean, that's not even close, okay? God has a completely different view. God looks down on his children, and he sees all these lights everywhere. And he says, listen, you are the light of the world. You might just feel like a little insignificant finger light because that's your very limited perspective. You're sitting on a road in Costa Rica and you just have these little headlights looking out across this river and you, you, don't, you can't see it. You don't get it. God doesn't see things the way we see things. You are the light speaking to all of us. We are the light of the world. Okay, let's bring the lights back up. Thank you. I want to read to you guys an email that um, John and I got about 10 days ago. It was from the church service, not this past Sunday where we did the meals, but the, the, the Sunday before. Here's how the email goes. Hey, John and Derek, I was so excited about what happened this morning at my office's staff meeting that I wanted to reach out and share it with you. My coworker attended Grace this Sunday. He is not one to normally talk about church or religion, but this morning he started up a conversation with my coworkers and I about his experience at Grace. This is his first time coming. I think it was quite different than any church service he had previously experienced. For, for instance, he mentioned the rock band that opened the service, <laughs> the fact that you met in a school, 
the fact that pastor was wearing jeans and the diversity of the church body. I was on the edge of my seat listening to everything he described. The next thing he said just filled my heart with joy. He said that everyone, everyone was taking notes and was really into what the preacher had to say. This absolutely amazed him. He said he had never seen a group of people more interested in what was going on in a church service. He also stated that he was impressed by the volunteers that directed him in the parking lot, greeted him in the lobby, and helped him drop his child off in the nursery. As he described his experience at Grace, I sat there completely amazed at how God works in people's lives. I've never been to your church before, but what I heard described was a group of people who love and worship God passionately. Whether or not they knew it, their worship to God made a huge impression on my friend. Not just individuals, but the church body as a whole. Maybe for the first time in his life, I think he witnessed a body of believers worshiping God and enjoying God, and it stuck out to him. Wow, what a great testimony and witness. Isn't that a cool email? You see, when you're just thinking about your own little light, it's hard, at least it is for me, to see how am I really having an impact? How am I really being the light of the world? But that's just not the way God sees it, you see? There's all these lights that God sees. And together, we have a tremendous impact in ways we have no idea. I want to read one last verse for you. It's a verse that I've been intrigued with for many, many years of my life. It's John 14, 12, where Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. I've read this verse for years, and I've just been like, okay, you know, Jesus says that we'll do even greater things than him. And I'm like, man, that's just hard for me to put my mind around that. I mean, Jesus is just amazing. If you read the miracles, if you read what he taught, if you read what he did, I mean, how could we, how could we do really, could we do anything greater than what Jesus did? That Jesus tells us that we, we will do greater things than even he did when he walked this earth. That kind of a revelation, though, this past Sunday. So there was one late afternoon where Jesus was teaching. And he realized at the end of a long day of teaching and hanging out with people that he had thousands of people who were pretty hungry and there was no food anywhere around. The Bible tells us there were 5,000 men. It only reported on the men, so it might have been 5,000 women as well, and maybe even five or even 10,000 children. Okay, so let's just say 20,000. Let's just say there were 20,000 people there in the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But Jesus said, you know what? I've got to feed these people. He took a couple loaves of bread, took some fish, and he managed to feed thousands and thousands of people. Unbelievable miracle reported in all four of the gospel accounts. 
So Jesus fed maybe as many as 20,000 people in one afternoon. Pretty awesome. And with all due respect, Chad, this past Sunday, in one morning, we put meals together for 150,000 people. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. Now, we're not going to get into the fact that, you know, we didn't make these meals out of nothing. <laughs> Jesus still gets to trump on that one. But, you know, I'm a numbers guy. 150,000, 20,000. I'm just, Jesus, I'm just taking you at your word, okay? You said we'd do greater things. So anyway, it's kind of cool. Um, here's the deal, guys. You. Jesus says, you are the light. You are the light of the world. He says, listen, shine your light. Shine it. Here's the question I want to leave you guys with today. Are you letting your light shine? Are you? Are you shining your light? Every one of us has a light. It might feel so insignificant. You might think, what can I do? What impact could I make? What difference will I really make? And Jesus says, listen, you are a light. You might feel like a tiny little finger light, but you are having an impact. Shine that light. How can you shine your light today? For God. Let's pray. God, um, there are a lot of lights out there in this world that woo us, that are attractive to us, that beckon us to follow after them. God, we know through our own experiences and disappointments that many of those lights that we follow after, light of achievement, light of approval, light of whatever it is for everyone sitting out here this morning, that those lights ultimately won't lead us to light. They won't lead us across that river. They won't get us where we need to go. Jesus, help us to remember that there is only one true light that will never lead us to darkness and will ultimately bring us life. Help us to follow that light, your light. Lord, I know there's many in this room right here, right now, feel just like me. What difference does my little finger light make? God, change our perspective. Help us to see things as you see them. Encourage everyone here to shine our light as brightly as we can for you. We thank you, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we're not going to do a closing song today. If you're here this morning and you would like prayer for anything at all, we have a prayer team that's over here on this wall who would love to pray for you. I want you to take this little light as a reminder as you go today and shine your light. Have a great week and God bless you.